The Brutally Speaking podcast is proudly sponsored by Starving Artist Brewing. Starving Artist Brewing may be a small speck on Michigan's beer map, but they say big things come in small packages. A brewery who really puts their money where their mouth is, supporting underground artists far and wide. Making delicious beers with the simple belief that you should judge beer, not people. Brutally Speaking Podcast is proudly sponsored by Rockabilia.com. For over 30 years, Rockabilia has been the go-to destination for all things band merch. With over 500,000 items in their online store and collaborations with today's hottest bands, you're sure to find something you love. Use our code BREW10 at checkout and take 10% off your total order. So go pick up your favorite new piece of merch now over at rockabilia.com. Now, on to the show. everybody welcome back to another episode of the brutally speaking podcast i'm your host john and this episode's guest is andy marsh guitarist for thy art is murder they have a new album coming out on september 15th via human warfare records called godlike uh it was it's been funny i've actually been trying to get someone from thy art is murder on for quite a while and it just so happened it finally was time to, to have someone from the show on and it's been kind of an interesting last like few weeks for me uh, over here in the sense that uh, through doing this show and through kind of posting when I have someone like when the interview is done, the chat is done, you know, I'll post about it on Twitter and, you know, on some of the other socials or I'll share a screenshot. And I'm just, you know, honestly trying to get people excited about episodes that are coming up. Uh, maybe drum up some some people if they you know haven't heard the podcast. Maybe they'll see the the thing if a, someone shares it or retweets it or whatever. And it's been a thing where like you know I posted that I had I was going to be chatting I think with Nick Brooks like that I was listening to an Adai's Today song and you know people were like holy shit like the Billie Eilish thing happened and so people were I had a handful of people reach out to me and they were just like it's wild that like you're going to be the first person to talk to them since this thing happened and could be, you know, a, a moment where it gets picked up by somebody. I don't know. And in doing this show and kind of being a part of these things, you know, it's been interesting to kind of be adjacent to a bigger story than just the conversation that I have with somebody from a band. And, you know, I posted, I had done this one, I think about two weeks ago, as of when I'm recording this intro. And today, uh, I was made aware of the fact that I guess uh, Thy Arts frontman CJ uh, shared an Instagram story of something, and uh, I, I quickly perused it, but I kind of got the gist of it, didn't really give a fuck, uh, honestly, because it has nothing to do with my conversation with Andy. Um, we did this before that was a thing. Um, but it gets interesting how people will sort of correlate what I do to having some sort of connection to these people. Um, I mean, the show is kind of, I, I don't want to say it, no stranger to controversy, but there's been some people on the show that I guess have later been, you know, I'm thinking of like Zach Deere from expire stone. Um, you know, the allegations put out against him about uh, 
you know, having issues with women being, you know, aggressive toward them or whatever. Um, I'm not discrediting what those people went through, but it's crazy that people will leave comments on like the YouTube version of the video or will like send me emails or a DM or something and just tell me that I'm terrible for aligning with these people. And the thing that gets like kind of interesting about this is, you know, a lot of times, you know, in some of these cases, like I'll have these episodes for years and then something, you know, a band gets canceled or, or I don't know, like something happens and then everyone just assumes that like I have a direct tap to them that they're going to read the comment on my video or our, our chat, which I would say outside of a few where like they're my friends and I'm sharing positive things. They're probably never going to know. Um, but it's just wild to, to know that something that I do for the love of just connecting with people, trying to learn more about, you know, how people make their art, the, the people behind it, uh, the human interactions of just having a conversation with somebody and then kind of being pulled into the, the bullshit of it all is kind of wild. Um, it's definitely not something I ever thought would be a thing. Uh, when doing this and like I said just to, to see people commenting and, and all of this kind of stuff or reaching out to me uh, it's absolutely wild um, you know I think like one of the bigger ones was thinking about it was kind of the Lorna Shore uh, ep with Adam you know talking about ironically enough uh, with a different CJ uh, their old vocalist and the shit he was going through at the time and you know just kind of the bad circumstance of like, you know, putting out a record that everyone seemed to be really excited about. And then the, you know, the wind kind of being taken out of their sails. Uh, but obviously that band has moved forward. They have done incredible things since, uh, I think it, it was a helpful motivator for them. And I, I guess that's really kind of the thing I've been thinking about quite a bit, like the last few hours since getting the few messages of people knowing that this was an episode coming is, you know, I'm not saying that I condone what, how anyone feels or what they say. Like, I, I can't, I don't control anyone. But I do think it's interesting to think about how we live in this world where everyone's so quick to make a, a decision. And is, if it doesn't fit their narrative uh, or if it offends them or whatever, then the other person just has to pay like this, this ultimate penalty. And I was sort of kind of reminded of, of it again last night when I was recording an episode of what will be a new podcast I'm doing with some friends called The Bar. Um, we're about five episodes into the first season right now. I think we're going to do another five or six or seven, somewhere in there. Uh, and then we'll probably drop that soonish. Um, but it was the thing where we happened to be talking about like the existence of people, like a, a civilization. Mankind is actually the word I said. And then I prefaced. And I don't mean all men. I mean, when I say that, I'm not trying to be sexist. I mean, mankind as in, you know, just that's what we called it. And one of my other co-hosts was like, it sucks that you had to put a like a preface on that. And I was like, and you know, in this day and age, it's just better to be safe than sorry. Um, but I do think it gets kind of hard when you're trying to just speak uh, your opinions and your ideas and you're trying to work your way through something and just learn as a person and have to kind of walk on eggshells to make sure that what you're saying showcases your intent uh, as well as your thought process and showing that you don't necessarily mean to be mean, but maybe like, I almost feel like at this day and age, like we can't even 
call out something for being like kind of as dumb as it may seem like where it's like here's the thing and we can probably universally agree that it's fucking stupid but can't say that anymore because well it might hurt someone's feelings and now it's a whole other issue for whatever reason so it's a I guess this is all to say it's very hard to kind of navigate life sometimes and, and to try to be a growing person who has questions and wants to vocalize things and having the platforms that we all literally do the exact same platforms of Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, X, whatever the fuck it's called now, uh, TikTok, all, all of the threads, whatever else, what, and whatever else is coming. I mean, there's all the other sub versions of things that I'm sure are more one political leaning versus the other and vice versa. Um, but at the end of the day, it, it just is crazy that we all try to go onto these things and just voice our own opinions and try to learn and, and ask questions. And obviously there's a grain of salt with this where it's, it's tough to say that, you know, someone should be able to have the same platform where they just spew fucking hate and horrible shit. Um, actually I'm <laughs> in a very funny way. I just was scrolling through Facebook, grabbing all the social media stuff, uh, for the, the show notes and so forth. And, I was clicking through, saw Guns N' Roses putting out a new song. Lauren Hill and the Fugees are touring. Uh, some of my my friends got his shit stolen on tour. And then I just see this like ad of like a dick going into a butt and like a woman sucking some dick and it's like dick pills. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like, I can't believe this is on here. I just laughed about it because it's funny to me, like how shocking it was just to see normal shit on Facebook and then that. Um, but it's a thing where like, I just hit it after that so, like, it doesn't pop up anymore, at least on my feed. And, like, I just moved on. But, like, I could see, like, people, I guess, don't find humor in that. Or, I more to the point, if something isn't what you want to see, you just move past it. And I think that's something that I don't know if it's a, a thing generationally that's kind of starting to go away where we're just not able to have that common sense. Like, we had, like... If something offends you, you got to write a fucking essay on something. Uh, if someone is bothering you, you'll seek them out to piss them off, too. I mean, it's almost like everyone just pokes the fucking hornet's nest anymore. Um, I just grew up in a day and age, I guess, where it's like if it wasn't for you, you just move on and that's it. Um, didn't necessarily mean to go on this like long-winded tangent, but uh, like I said, doing this podcast for like seven-plus years now, it is wild how people will associate me with something going on with a band, uh, even though I have nothing to do with it. Um, and so I guess on the one hand, if that's something you do, please stop because <laughs> I don't care. Uh, and I have nothing to do with it. Uh, if you comment on something, which I could see someone commenting below on the YouTube version or whatever, like, you know, shut the fuck up and here's where the interview starts. Uh, go ahead and do that. Uh, it'll probably be about at this point, 10 minutes in, maybe 15 with all the intro stuff in front of it. But, um, all that said, I'll get off my uh, soapbox. Let's get into my conversation with Andy and I'll talk to you on the other side of it. I guess uh, first off, uh, having had the record for a handful of days now, 
It's uh, really, really, really fucking good. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I usually don't really talk much about the actual thing because I feel like it kind of dates the conversation and I kind of want them to be more standalone and kind of timeless for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. But there was something in the press release that really intrigued me. Uh, and I don't know if it's like therapy brain when I see it. I'm like, ooh, that's a very therapy type thing to, to notice. But you had said uh, that you and Sean hadn't picked up your guitars for two years, that it was deliberate. The muscle memory, when we came back, it freed up everything. The hands went to different places than they were used to going. It was easier to get outside of the box of Thy, thy Art is Murder. We tried to explore new dimensions. It's still within a tight paradigm, but we went into some new places. And to me, when I read that, I was just like, I think it takes knowing yourself in a completely different facet than I think most people are willing to, to mm-hmm. understand that you, I don't want to call it a rut, but that something needs to change. And so to me, it felt very adult and grown up that you would have that mindset to, to know that maybe to, to go forward, you kind of have to put something down and kind of remain in the now, for lack of a better term. Yeah, for sure. I think a lot of people try to make change through activity and sometimes inactivity is actually what's required. Um, You know, we don't try to make too many active choices in our career. A lot lot of people like making choices. They like decision-making. They like to feel justified. I think every time you make a choice is an opportunity to make a mistake. So we focus on very few choices and making sure that we we make the, the right move. I think having some time away is an opportunity that we won't ever have again in our career for such a long time. So we took it. What was the process like for you speaking to you? What was the process like to kind of make that, that note to yourself that like, I need to step away from this. What were other things that you focused on instead? And how do you think those things maybe came into your playing for this new record or in general? Um, I played video games for two years. It was awesome. <laughs> what games did you play? Warzone all day, every day. It was sick. Um, so I'm not going to complain about it. I know that it was a pretty brutal time, like personally and, and for a lot of other people, but you, you know, you get dealt the hand that you do and you make the best of it. Uh, I think also, though, it, it does that. That's one of the biggest parts of this record is. The time away. To to make something feel inspired, you have to go and live your life and see a few things that inspire you and do a few things as well. Like we've gone for the last 13 years from tour to tour to tour to new album to tour to tour to tour to new album on on these two-year timelines, which is absolutely nuts. So getting a break that's as long as an entire album cycle is a, is a nice opportunity to get away, live your life, hang out with the band, but not through obligation of being on tour and get to know each other a bit better, get to know yourself a bit better, and also spend time thinking about uh, how you'd like to craft a new record as opposed to being in there, you've got four weeks from this tour and then the new album's going to start rolling out. It gives you an opportunity to kind of sit down and proactively think about a few stylistic choices. I think what's interesting about the pan, the pandemic time of, you know, everyone kind of getting the ability of, for the most part, everyone getting the ability to have kind of a hard reset is 
especially when it comes to bands and, and musicians and so forth, because it's a little bit easier to kind of make this correlation. But, you know, there's the old saying, you have a lifetime to make that first record because no one outside of your local scene really kind of knows who you are or what you're doing. And it's the, the sophomore album that everyone's like, well, do you either continue and, and have success or is it the sophomore slump where it's like, oh, maybe that first record was kind of the the anomaly. And I feel like everyone that's kind of recorded or done something now post pandemic, if it wasn't already recorded right before it happened and everyone just sat on it. It's interesting to see how people have taken that opportunity to almost kind of, I don't want to say reinvent, but reintroduce yourselves now and kind of be like, this is who I am now. And it's almost like getting a second bite at that first opportunity again to get, you know, new listens, new ears and so forth. And I, I feel like more often than not, everyone that I've talked to on this show really took that opportunity for what it was worth and really like kind of shot for the brass ring on it. Yeah, I guess. I don't don't know. We, we didn't really do too much. We, we still got together last year and, and put the, the record together it was less about reintroducing ourselves to fans and more about, I don't want to say taking chances. We don't really feel like <laughs> chances. We, we generally like what we do and we know that it's good, at least to us, but just to, to make a record that we felt really happy with and we didn't have these scheduling constraints put upon us. We were just like, all right, let's just, make something let's go for it let's see what what we can do i think that the thing that was interesting to me about the record from what i could gather from because you know a lot of these press releases we don't get the lyrics uh, and Mm -hmm. so forth so it's like all you kind of get is sort of the the bio that comes with the presser and so forth and it seemed to me when listening to it especially maybe it's because of the album title and like the first like couple tracks, it kind of just feels like there's more of a sense of like, I mean, calling an album godlike, it, it almost kind of, it evokes like, you know, we, we always kind of assume that we are sort of the, the creator of everything that happens around us. We are sort of our own, you know, godlike creature in our own journeys and so forth. But even kind of going down, like, and I'm probably going to get the name of the song title incorrect, but like, uh, Sorry, let me pull it up real quick. Um, was it Cares? Cares? I'm not really track four. Yep. Okay. Um, it sounded to me like when what little bit I was able to dig up, it's sort of based on a mythological being, person, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's an ancient Greek spirit uh, who was responsible for consuming the dead of war and uh, couldn't actually engage in combat, so they could, you know go around and tell people, like, go and start a fight with that guy so I can eat you. Uh, which, I, you know, is just pretty metaphorical for a lot of people that benefit from conflict nowadays that that are behind the scenes, you know, they're not out on the battlefield. I think there, for me, and again, not, you know, mythology was kind of a thing I was big into in school, but it's always interesting to kind of think about creationism and like you know the story of mythology and and how you know there's the hero's tale and you know a lot of the the fallacy of man uh getting in his own way a lot of times and causing destruction on a worldwide you know structure and so forth and it was just kind of interesting listening to this record to kind of think about that and i know you don't maybe don't have much to do with the lyrics or the themes that might be more cj I but, have everything yeah. to do, with the lyrics. <laughs> do you okay 
Yeah. It, so to me, it was just kind of interesting to kind of think about that in correlation to what we all just kind of went through and how much of it is sort of, uh, I don't want to say like biographical, but like, again, taking stock of yourself, taking stock of what's around. And like I said, after going to therapy, it's a thing where I've learned to be more present in what I'm dealing with, focus on the now, how do I handle these problems? And in turn, it's also made me a lot more aware of things that are happening around me, like being more empathic to people, understanding things and kind of taking it all in and making better informed decisions and so forth, or just seeing things from another person's perspective. So listening to the record, I kind of just really, and this might just be my own shit, but it's like, I kind of kept getting that where I'm like, this feels like a record that's trying to talk about, I guess, sort of the plight of oneself and that we need to grow and kind of be better. I don't know. I, it's, it's weird. That, like that's the the thing I just kept grabbing when I kept listening to the record. Yeah. It's got slamming riffs and it's awesome. And I enjoyed listening to it with the windows down on the nice summer days that we've had the last couple of days here in Michigan. But as I kept listening to it and thinking about what is it making me feel that I feel like those feelings and the things that are being evoked musically and lyrically from what I could gather, I don't feel like they were just kind of, you know, you're talking about like, we don't really make, big choices. I feel like these are big choices, whether they're subconscious or not personally. Big choices in, in terms of the, the record or. I, I think, I think, and that's, that's what I was trying to land on this whole, like today, knowing that we're going to talk is I just feel, I, I feel like you guys are hitting on something that I think maybe, I don't know. I just feel like there's a bigger message that you're, it's going to take a lot of listens to, to kind of really kind of break through everything and that there's something more important that you guys are saying on this record, maybe than you had previously. To Nothing me. Too, too dramatic. I mean, it's very introspective, the record. It wasn't till the end of it that I kind of realized how, uh, how affected I was by the, the couple of years off, you know, that a lot of isolation, a lot of depressive ideas, a lot of dark places for a lot of people, a lot of death, uh, a lot of loss, a lot of grief. The The title Godlike just came around through this idea of uh, true love being eternal and it connects the living to the dead. This this pain is like the connection between th- things that aren't around anymore that used to be. And as long as that feeling is real, then it, it makes the, the other thing kind of real and, and, and provides it this immortality, which is godlike. Uh, the other, like, kind of play on the word is I'm not a religious person, but if you had to, like, apply Christianity or Abrahamic religion to yourself as a sort of spiritual spirituality, the idea, you know, it's very common knowledge, this idea of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, the Father being, like, the idealistic version of yourself or the future self, the sun being the past and the Holy Spirit being like you in the present on your journey from, you know, to becoming a better person or a more ascended person. I find it interesting sort of being in the same boat as I would say you were. It's like, I'm not a very religious person, but it, it is interesting that a lot of times, and again, speaking for myself, where you read some of these things, you know, like it's, it's kind of hard not to in this day and age when so many people try to use these words, these teachings, whatever to, I guess, weaponize the words and the meaning that are contained within these to, to put others down or oppress them. And to me, I always feel like it's like, 
I feel like you're missing the point of this. The thing was to love everybody and be compassionate and to, you know, all these, you know, to make the, the, the hardships of life worth it in the end for an afterlife to be reunited with everybody and so forth that I always feel like it, like I said, it gets weaponized. So it's interesting that as someone who also doesn't believe either and doesn't have a set of like religion or anything, I think I've always said a good set of morals will actually probably steer you on a, a pretty good path oh, yeah. that I think it's just interesting. Like I said, I just listening to this, I feel like, like I said, I'm picking up on something and I, and I didn't know how much of it I'm just throwing in there. And like, I'm like, Oh, this is something I'm resonating with or how much is actually in it that I'm picking up on uh, upon the first couple of listens and that it's, it's something I think that needed to come out of all of you collectively. Yeah. I mean, that it's a really nice thing to hear that it's resonating with you. Like that's why we make it. Obviously it strikes a chord with yourself when you're making songs like this and, and kind of drawing from dark places to, to bring emotive lyrics or landscapes or soundscapes to the, to the front. Um, we also tried later in our career now to deploy more metaphors to to make sure that the the meaning of the song is still open to interpretation from from a lot of people it doesn't necessarily have to be verbatim what i meant for you to take away from it uh although sometimes people do do understand it you know i always think that's the interesting thing you know having listen to so much music, watch so many like documentaries on bands and so forth. You know, the saying that it's like, I made it for what it needed to be for me, but once it's out, it's no longer mine. It's, it's everyone's at that point. And it becomes yeah. this whole other animal at that point. And I feel like that's gotta be an interesting thing to, to just kind of go through whatever made you come out with this music, these lyrics, whatever. And then to kind of just see, how it resonates with everyone else and to hear, especially to hear like, Oh, this song's about this. And you're like, I mean, no, it's not, but sure. Absolutely. It is. If that's yeah. what it means to you, what are some more interesting things over the years of, of, you know, doing meet and greets and stuff where people have uh, reinterpreted something that you're like, I, that is like a 180 from where <laughs> the inspiration for this came from. That happens more than would be ideal, but again, <laughs> you know, like, we're not kind of selfish. Like the in the biggest enjoyment for us is making the album, and once we've made it, we're not. I can't go around like fucking Santa Claus to everyone's house and pop down the chimney and be like, "You're listening to it wrong." Like, <laughs> that's not my deal. Like, you can listen to it backwards. You can shit on it. You can do whatever the hell you want with it. Like, I don't care. I've I've had my say and it's on the album. So now it's up to everyone else. I guess like a, a fun thing, because typically by the time I get to talk to a lot of people, like the thing, like the record's already out or it's been out for a while. Cause I usually like to do these like off cycle. Um, but I mean, like at this point, like there are a couple singles out at this point, some music videos have been out. I think the first one came out like about a month ago, literally and the other one about a week and a half ago, if memory serves. No, four um, weeks. Four week, oh, I'm sorry. I'm thinking actually, cause I've gotten two press releases for you for four the uh, live in Melbourne. Yeah. Four weeks ago for, yeah, the one. And then the, uh, something, uh, the f like first track off of a uh, live in Melbourne, I think just came out a couple oh, of yeah, yeah, so yeah. ago. So you got your like dual, dual press releases right now. Um, yeah. in, in my inbox. So that's what I'm thinking of. Um, but I was going to say like, it's, it's gotta be fun. Cause I feel like that was something when seeing the video, for uh how do you say it pronounce it again correctly carrot 
Karis? Yeah. Okay. Um, sorry, I'm really I don't like saying words if I don't know how to say them correctly. I'd rather just someone say it correctly for me. Um <laughs> but it's one of those things like even watching the music video for that uh recently, I was like, it looked like it was fun to kind of carry over sort of the narrative of the song, but also just kind of doing something that I mean, it's now that you say like you played a bunch of Warzone. <laughs> It's kind of like the ending part of the band part of it sort of made a lot more sense as to like where that came from and probably was a lot of fun to just kind of do something more cinematic uh, in presentation. Yeah, I mean, we we titled a tour after playing Warzone last year. The Back from the Gulag tour was pretty fun. Trent from After the Burial and I played a little bit of Warzone together. He lives in the States. I'm down in Australia. So we're like, oh, if we're going to do a tour together, we got to make it about Warzone. And then... Coming in the new record, obviously, lyrically and everything, it has nothing to do with Warzone. But, uh, you know, I thought maybe we could get a couple of guns in there or something and make it exciting. We've never really been a big music video band. Like, we haven't done many over the years. And when we have, we've kind of just treated it like an afterthought. We're like, we don't really give a shit about music videos. Like, who cares? Uh, this album, we were like, let's put a let's put a conscious effort into making you know good, high quality music videos and see what a what adjustment that makes in the trajectory of the band. Does it make the band bigger? Does it make people like the songs more? Do they think it's cool? Who knows? Maybe it makes absolutely no difference. And I just threw a whole bunch of money down the drain. You know, it, it uh, kind of speaking to the choir on that because I feel like. You know, I talk a lot on this show about, you know, when you started off being in a band or when I started doing this, it's like you do it just for the the want and the desire to do something and to be creative in whatever capacity that looks like. And then eventually it, it becomes sort of this thing where it's like, OK, this is kind of getting some momentum. It's getting traction. I need to be more cognizant of treating it differently than where I started. And it becomes you got to kind of become more business minded and understand like different things matter hashtags and, and where you're putting things and algorithms and all that kind of stuff. Mainly from the band perspective, it's a lot more of finances and, you know, getting more into the business side of, of, you know, running a band. And it makes me want, and, you know, I'd be interested to talk to you, you know, down the road further and be like, was it worth it? Did you notice a difference in anything? Did people connect to the album more because you put more into your presentation and so forth, music and the music video aspect. Because to me, I feel like at the end of the day, I would probably be more inclined to be like what I imagine most bands are. If it doesn't get them to listen to the song and it doesn't get them to the concert, I don't fucking care. It's just a detraction and it's a waste of money. Yeah. I mean, I'm a little bit of an old man and I, I always tell young bands, it's pretty common these days that younger bands will spend more on making music videos than they will on the actual album recording which is insane to me and so my uh my little thing that i will tell these younger bands is like they don't leave the concert singing the music video guys like <laughs> you gotta have great songs and if you're more concerned with your appearance which everyone is these days with social media like what does it matter you can have the coolest music video in the world and if the song is absolute garbage then what's the difference like you know so We've always put the music first. We concentrate on making sure that we like the songs. We think that they're catchy and they, they're bringing something that, that we're putting forward something from ourselves that we, we want to share with everyone. And the music 
videos have been a, an afterthought. This is no different. We've just apportioned more of our budget towards the music videos as a bit of an experiment, you know, and it's one of those things that's so hard to quantify. How do I know that you watched a music video and then bought a T-shirt and did this and did that? It's very difficult to integrate the, uh, the conversion metrics across different platforms because everyone's pretty siloed. But, you know, it's one of those things that zoom out on an not on this month or last month, but on a two or three year period and see do sales increase, um, do ticket sales increase. We go, okay, well, something happened in that time period and we may as well chalk it up to music videos as being one of the contributing factors. I always find it interesting because, you know, you have, and I'm sure a lot of these conversations are probably fairly, very similar uh, yeah. in just the, I'll say the stupidity of them, like grown adults having conversations about hashtags and algorithms and all these things. And I remember someone with like getting on me, they're like, you know, you really need to focus on your hashtags, your hashtags on your Instagram posts. And I'm like, all right, dude, let's be real. Why are you saying that? Like, well, cause, cause Finn McKinsey told you the rule of 10 on how you, you do your 10 hashtags and what you do. And so you're regurgitating like the shit you heard from him. And I go, because uh, let me ask you this question. Have you ever clicked on a hashtag? And everyone I've ever asked goes, no. And I go, do you follow one? And they go, no. And I go, so why are you doing it if you yourself don't do these things? Yeah, I mean, uh, that's one thing that the internet's great for is spreading information. And sometimes that information isn't necessarily vetted correctly. I do my own extensive testing um, here so? in my little office. Oh, how long have you got? I mean, we we got about thirty more minutes to go in this chat. So if you can explain it, I'd be I'd be interested because I think it's I think this side of where we're at in the and you so more more so than me, but like I think collectively it's we're all kind of in this like wild wild west of things because I feel like with now the internet being what it has become, even going back to like when you know, MySpace was kind of a, a good platform for bands to reach out and reach an audience beyond their local scene without, you know, a label or distribution or whatever. It kind of uh, allowed everyone to not be binded by their, you know, regional or geographical location at that point. People could find out about music from all over the place by clicking a button, seeing who was in someone's top eight, hearing a song on a profile or whatever. And I feel like, you know, the same sort of has happened for podcasting it, is that it's it's still new, like it's it's a 15-year, 17-year-old thing, but for the most part in the mainstream, it's really only been, I'd say, maybe in the last seven to eight, seven to ten years that like people know what a podcast is or what it can be, but we're all still figuring it out and the and the the dynamics of what it is or what it's capable of keep changing. You know, at this point with Joe Rogan signing that giant ass contract with Spotify, it showcases that a podcast can be where most people get information instead of the news now, or like your, your dedicated news sites and so forth. And I feel like bands are probably equally looking to things as podcasts or whatever Twitch, you know, now you could be a gamer, you could play and you could, or you could show your songwriting process or whatever that people can get more into you and your band versus having to solely rely on a label and their distribution and their rollout plan for an album over the next four months. Like, I think we will kind of exist in this wild, wild West right now. And I don't think anyone really has the answer. I think we're all just kind of making it up as we go. And some people are finding success and others are floundering for lack of a better term. 
Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people definitely force the quite of force things. I'm not like a great personality to host a podcast. I have no desire to host a podcast, but uh, say that I thought that this was the way forward and I started trying to do one and start looking for hashtags and things to try and make it work. It's like, at the end of the day, it's the personality that's going to win. Like, I don't think that there's any actor or movie that I've seen where I've enjoyed it more or less because a hashtag led me there. You know, I'm I'm buying in at an emotional level. Do I like this person? Do I trust their performance? Is it authentic? Is it convincing? There are so many different things. And, and the same with a band, the same with a podcast host. It's you're buying in on an emotional level with that person, not on the marketing. The marketing... I think that the, the talent sets the potential and then the management of that determines how close to that potential it reaches. Mm. I think a lot of people think they can manage themselves into or out of anything. And it really depends on the prime mover first to set that potential. In terms of testing, I mean, we it is a it is a, a world market now. That being said, there are still very distinct geographical uh, demographic differences. It's pretty common that a band or a record label will just roll out a merchandise range and a, a bunch of vinyl and go, here it is, and put the same stuff in every store. We analyze like what designs, um, what colors, and what artists even sell better in different territories and, and make adjustments for that. So you'll notice that our merchandise spreads between the North America, Europe, and Australia are, are generally pretty different and those are tailored uh comes also down to our social media strategy what time we post what content we post what captions we use we don't really ever use any hashtags and we've got one of the most successful social media followings in metal so it just comes down to doing your own testing and stop listening to people on the internet <laughs> you know <laughs> We spend a large amount of money on, on uh, marketing and advertising and we're running tests constantly because that's how you get the most effective spend. I think it's interesting to hear that. First of all, I, as someone, I actually just recently sold my vinyl collection because I wanted to make a smarter financial decision for myself and get out of a loan a couple of years early <laughs> so I can set myself up for different financial things down the road. But it was one of those things like I have noticed for bands that don't exist here in the States that a lot of times like there does seem to be more of an emphasis put on your North American store, your, you know, European, whatever your different geographical locations of where these things are going have different merch bundles. And I, I don't know if I have noticed that from bands that are here in the States, because I don't know if they. I don't know if it's as much of an important thing to understand that, like, if you don't live here in the States, you just assume, like, we are the biggest thing. I feel like People it's a mentality. America is the world. I'm yeah, I think so. As from the band members themselves to people that are supposed to be as smart as the managers and the booking agents, don't understand that there's other territories to be serviced. And one thing that blows my mind is they don't understand that the rest of the world is on a different time zone. It is insane the amount of people that call me at two o'clock in the morning all the time and they're just like hey i'm go no wrong time <laughs> like you, you know what it's also a different day we're a day ahead of you so it's the wrong day for this phone call so you know it, 
people get too in their head thinking about themselves and where they're at. And it's, you know, it's very important to consider where you're trying to distribute your music to. I, I have three work days every day of my life. In the morning, I'm doing American stuff. In From lunchtime onward, I'm working in Australia. And then around dinner time, I begin another four to six hour work day for Europe. So it's important to understand that they are three different places and they, they require three different tailored uh, approaches. Well, I think like I got a taste of that working for the, actually I'm, I'm back there now as of the last like two months. Um, but I worked for a screen printing company that a lot of times would deal with companies that are out West. So a three hour time difference for us. And the thing that used to kill me is, you know, I, I grew up in the East coast initially. Now I live in the Midwest and, you know, like I said, we deal with a lot of West coast companies and they want photo approval before we run a design, which makes sense. But it's crazy that like we'll have something ready to go within the first 30 minutes of us being open. So we we start our day at six o'clock in the morning and it's 630 and they're like, well, we can't do anything for three hours because no one will be awake over there right now. And it's yeah. like, no, fuck that. You should be available for us because this is your product and you want it very quickly. So get on the fucking phone and go because like that's stupid. Like that's so American, you know, <laughs> I I Everyone think that's like the my time. It, you work in, in my position where you're on different days. It's like you learn patience and you also learn to be ahead of schedule so you have the time to wait for someone else to wake up. <laughs> it's very rare that I'm picking up the phone and calling someone at 4 o'clock in the morning saying you need to do this now. It would happen <laughs> less than once a year. So um, I don't know. That's my bit about time zones. <laughs> well, I, I would. You know What was that? It can be frustrating, but as long as you plan ahead, then you shouldn't encounter too many issues. I would I would ask this question just given what little bit of what you just said and, and kind of again inferring very quickly uh a personality type, but like are you someone who outside of the band maybe? Because I would I would assume this job like the band is your full time job at this point. Mm -hmm. Like it you don't have another job. Was there a time when the band wasn't your full-time job and you were working a more quote-unquote traditional nine-to-five? Were you someone that was more in a management-type role in these in these jobs that you had? Because I feel like you are someone that will get in no, there and take over. I never really had any normal jobs. I was the captain of my high school and the captain of the football team. So I, I think you do learn like some leadership skills early on in life, You know, particularly through team sports. Uh but no, I, I never had any crazy, I had, I don't know, maybe over 50 different jobs just temporarily. I went to uni and then I started doing the band thing, had a recording studio and I just worked odd jobs here and there to, to fund ultimately the bigger dream. It just seems like sometimes when talking, like listening to you, it almost sounds sort of like me where it's like, like right now I'm a week ahead pulling because I make the ink and pull the inks for all the jobs that we're making. I have been tomorrow will be a full week that I've been ahead of everybody. And so yeah. instead of just fucking off, like now, since I've only been in my job for the last like month and a half, I have time to go through our whole ink catalog, find like why, like it's like, why do we have three buckets of this one ink and they're all barely full? I'm going to consolidate them, make sure they all match tone and all that kind of stuff. And then I'm going to just go through the entirety of like the, like 900, like 900 different types of inks that we have in different colors and figure that all out. And like, I'm in the three hundreds right now out of like 900. And so I'm going through and figuring that all that out 
cleaning all the buckets, getting my area organized in the way that it needs to be so it can be more efficient. And I've had a handful of people go like, I've and I worked at the job like 10 years before that and shipping and receiving and so forth and doing pretty much everything other than the job I have now. And it's funny that everyone's like, we've had so many people back here since you've been gone and no one has undertaken this and just like quickly been like, this is how this can be ran more efficiently. This is how this can be done. And it's like, well, it just makes sense to do this this way. Like why wouldn't someone? Cause like, it's just more of a pain in the ass and more time consuming to do it the other way. So why not take ownership and just fucking be productive and kill it then? And like, it's hard. Cause like part of me just wants to fuck off, but it's also like, this is what I, this is what needs to be done. Take pride and ownership of your job. And I think that you will see better results as a result of it. Cause you will understand it. A hundred percent. A lot of people are super reactive in their life, mm-hmm. um, which is an emotional, you know, it's just, you know, the system responding to things. I like to try and take a more proactive approach where you're not, you know, just cramming and reacting at the last minute. You have time to intellectualize your choices as opposed to just having an emotional response. I think that's the, I don't know, again, kind of beating a dead horse like I always do with this, but I think it's so important for those to understand like the different facets of what it does for you. But therapy, like that was like my big thing with therapy was I overthought so much like i would try to solve 30 what if scenarios that none of them the the first one never happened so the other 29 don't matter either and it's funny once you kind of unburden yourself from the idea of well i need to be prepared for a million different what if scenarios it's like no focus on what you can handle right now move forward and then when something happens and you need to react to it focus on that and then deal with it. And then when that's done, move forward. And I, it has been incredible over the last two years of seeing how day to day, those little things will happen. I'm like, man, pre-therapy me would have been freaking the fuck out right now over this. Cause I would be trying to do way too much. And I feel like it has made me infinitely more streamlined and more productive in a, in a more conducive manner to just not wasting output. That's awesome to hear. You know, uh, one of the best things you can do is block out the noise. There's a lot of noise now with smartphones and social media. So just ignore it. <laughs> <laughs> I think as I get older, I don't, I don't think I, I didn't look to see how old you were, but you know, being almost 40 myself, it's like, I'm getting to the point where it's like, if I could get rid of my social media, I probably would. Like my wife, my wife doesn't have Facebook anymore. I took it off my phone cause I need it for the podcast socials. Um, but it is interesting to see now how in our day-to-day lives, like if we go to the bar, we're hanging out with friends and we'll be like, did you see? And we're like, Nope, I did not. And it's so nice. It's so nice to like, just be like, whatever you're going to say, it doesn't impact me. I don't give a fuck. People think I'm crazy because I don't know about all these things that they know about, you know, Oh, did you see that this singer did this? Or did you see that this movie started? I go, I don't know and I don't care. Like, why do I need to dedicate my time to thinking about that? There's other things to do. Just keep your head down and focused on the task. You know, and I think that's a it's a big one in the creative industry. You know, a lot of – it does take a lot of effort to funnel into a record for sure. And a lot of people, you know, really drain themselves in the, in the output of a, an album. But – having the ability to focus over time, record to record, tour to tour, 
is the real stamina. So, you know, I don't have time in my day to focus on other things. It's like making Diada's motor continue tomorrow, the next year, the year after is where I devote my energy. And people are like, oh, you know, that's so crazy. I go, to me, it doesn't feel crazy. I'm working on it every day. Like, aren't you doing the same thing for the thing that you say that you love more <laughs> than anything? Like, that's what it takes. It's not all. It's not all luck. There's a lot of luck. But there's also just not even hard work, just focus. Remaining focused is is the main one, I think. I think what's been crazy in the few instances, and this will kind of correlate to a different question I wanted to, I wanted to ask, just because for as much as I don't like social media, uh, by and large, I do find it interesting when certain things happen from more of a... I would say maybe a, a personal or maybe even like a social uh, perspective. So something that that's interesting to me, you know, like talking to Adam from Lorna Shore right after the CJ thing happened. And I was like, you know, something that I found interesting is it's like, dude, like you guys busted your ass after losing your previous vocalist. Now you put out this record. It's really fucking good. And then it all just gets taken away and you had nothing to do with what's happening like you you have no hand in it it wasn't you so what does it look like when you see something like all your hard work go down the shitter through no fault of your own like what does that look like because to me again from a outsider's perspective it's just i don't know how i'd mentally handle that like i would i feel like i would just scream from the rafters like i didn't fucking do this this has nothing to do with me like why are you trying to cancel me too like i didn't do this um and the idea of guilty by association now, adversely, there's more interesting kind of fun versions of this. Like when I got to talk to Isaac from Kublai Khan and some celebrity chick was in a TikTok thing where they were listening to their song or something. I don't know. So kind of talking about what does that look like when you're in, again, more of the behind the scenes stuff? Like does a label go, oh, shit, maybe we should push a, a single quicker than we were looking at doing to capitalize on all this eyes and attention on the band, on the product, you know, whatever. And so... I still pretty consistently between the reels on Instagram and stuff, see that video of CJ, like, you know, the, the chest open Michael Jackson moment. And I see it all the time. And so that was more of a viral moment, but not due to anything negative and not through a celebrity that had nothing to do with the band. That was all kind of self-contained. And so Mm -hmm. I kind of wanted to know, granted, I know it was years ago, but when that kind of was picking up steam, like what does it look like internally for you all when you're like, holy shit, this is this is picking up steam. Like it's not necessarily a song or an album or a tour, but this is a viral moment we're having because of this. What was the I process mean, like for you all? We just think that it's funny. We don't we don't spend much time at all thinking about things that we have no control over. <clears throat> just the things that we, you know, we can we can have a grasp on and things that we understand and we can, you know, manufacture moments like those are like great, and they're they're lucky, you know. It, they're sometimes they're a little bit frustrating, you know. That that reel of him taking his shirt off got more plays in forty eight hours than any of our music videos ever get in forty eight hours by a lot, you know. I got two million views in in the first two or three days, which is crazy. It's like, well, can we get that kind of attention on a music video? We spent a lot of time and money on it. but again we can't control that cj does crazy things from time to time and we also can't control what the fans think is hilarious 
So yeah. uh, going back to your Lorna Shaw comment as well, like that, that's another interesting one. I don't, I don't know Adam very well. I know Austin, but like they had no control over that situation. What they did have control over was persisting as a band. People can say that they got lucky with TikTok and the Will Ramos breakdown weird vocal thing. But if they didn't pick up the pieces and keep going and remain focused on their band, then that opportunity wouldn't have come along. So right. in, in an element, they're creating their own luck by by remaining focused and, and trying hard and controlling what they can control. They didn't just quit and go, well, that's it, boys. It's all over. Something bad happened to us. It's like, no. They thought, what can we do to manifest the next thing? And all credit to them for it. Uh, in the same respect, we we just take that approach. Like things like that are lucky, and you know maybe we'll uh, go and edit the caption and put in a link to the merchandise store or something like that when we we see things going crazy. There's not really too much that you can do to monetize content in that regard. You see this like with a lot of these fake, not fake. I mean, <laughs> no, I think you're right. <laughs> influencers that go and buy like a million followers, and it's like that's cool. How do you make money off of that? And, People have a bit of a misunderstanding. They hear they hear about the Kardashians getting paid 500 grand to make an Instagram post posting a brand, and they go, see, oh, these influencers are making hand over fist. It's like, no, they're not. Like, they 100% are not. There's a few of them that are making large sums of money, and those deals probably have a lot to do with other things in their life, not just their social media. It has right. to do with brand identity. So, yeah. Uh, it's just a bit of a misunderstanding that people think, oh, they had a viral thing. Now they're going to make so much money. It's like, dude, if you can figure that out, you come and save me. Well, it's funny because like I've talked about that. Like there's been a handful of quote unquote viral moments that the show has had, like just headlines being grabbed um, from the show because that's sort of the nature of media now where people just comb through this shit and then find something and make it a headline. And it gets interesting when that happens because, you know, people are like, oh, my God, this must be great for you. And I'm like, so between Metal Injection, all these sites, you know, if Alt Press, you know, gets that far up and cross over or whatever, like between the comments, the likes, the shares, all that stuff, I go, it's almost like a thousand to one. The amount of like interactions that they get on social media versus actual tangible downloads of the show. And I go... So it's great because it puts my name technically out there for people to know. Like there are times when reaching out to a publicist when that's happened, like, oh my God, I've heard of your show. Yeah, we'd love to have so-and-so on your show. And it's like, oh, okay. But it does nothing for me really, like as on the other side of like where I wish it would. And I then even struggle with would it even be worth it? Because let's say that did correlate to downloads. It's like, how many of those people actually give a fuck about what I'm doing and they're just here? because they they're waiting for the next quote unquote viral thing for it to happen. Like, I don't think it's sustainable and I don't think it's long-term. Um, no. Now, the one thing music and not on the TikToks. I will say the one thing I think that you could have done with that is something that I, Jamie Josta for love him or hate him. I think he's, I mean, if you listen to the hard lore episode, he did uh, three hours. Like you learn, I learned that that dude just seems to manifest so much of his shit. Cause he looks at the world completely differently than everybody else. Uh, in the scene and that's why they've sustained a long career and he has done so much in the in the in his career but i think something that he did because like when brody king from god's hate and aew 
did that like splash on someone at a like one of the fests. They turned it into a shirt because they're like, hey, here's a viral moment. And we can actually turn it into sales for us to then put into whatever we can reinvest that I was like, I could see you guys doing something like that where you're like, here's a photo of CJ with his shirt open and it's a shirt we're selling on our website. Don't worry. We we actually manufactured leopard print shirts. We sold them. I must have missed that. So we obviously do (laughs) capitalize to a degree, but you know, it's they're just flashes in the pan. It's like if I put out a leopard print shirt tomorrow, would people still buy it? Maybe not. The moment would be lost. But you know, we do we do what we can, but again, we we can't control that. Like, what do I I go, oh you're gonna need to get like a zebra print shirt now and do that and then we'll sell that. Like, no, these things don't, you know aren't always repeatable and and not controllable. It was a hot day. It was windy. He thought of it in the moment and did it. And and I don't know. I, I think that's why people gravitate towards moments like that. They just go, that's just a man living his best life just in the moment. Again, in the moment. You know, I love it. So I just always think it's, like I said, it's interesting to kind of see and kind of in talking to you now over the last like 45 minutes or so, you seem to be someone who has a pretty good understanding of what you want to do, how to kind of best navigate it as, as much as you can. And so to me, it's like, what did that moment look like for you guys? Like behind the scenes where you're just like, Oh shit. Oh shit. This is really popping off. Uh, no, it didn't look like anything. We were on tour. We were on a bus somewhere in bloody Slovakia with no internet service. So <laughs> we, put, we just put the video online and then, you know, a couple of days later we go, Oh, that went pretty crazy. <laughs> what do we care like go yeah. and listen to the music that's what if if all of a sudden there was so many people listening to our music on spotify we'd go oh this is amazing you know the actual product that we spend our time and effort on not like oh cool uh people know that australians like opening their t-shirt when it's hot <laughs> cool like you know that's great but it's not what we're there for primarily so but that being said, you know, moments like that do do help for sure. Bring fans fans to the table. They they understand that it's a heavy band, but also we're we're trying to have fun with it. I think that's something that, like, in the last handful of years, I feel like the I don't want to say the mystique because it sounds so pretentious. I guess for lack of a better term, but I feel like I do love that. It seems like it's becoming kind of more widely known that like we all love heavy music and aggressive music, but we also don't really take it or ourselves too seriously. A lot of times, like it's like, yes, what I'm doing, I'm proficient at what I do. And I, and I honed my craft, but like, I'm here to have fun and this is fun. And like, it's not that serious. Like, and I, I, I enjoy that. Like I, I mean, like I was at a, a, like a thing I like doing when I go to different shows is I'll usually wear the opposite of what I'm there to see. So if I'm there to see metal, I'm going to wear a pop shirt. I'm going to wear a rap shirt. I'm going to wear something else. And it's always funny that like, you know, one of the, my go-to shirts recently has been my jewel shirt. I got at a show a couple years ago and everyone's like, that's a fucking cool shirt. And I'm like, yeah, it is. That's why I'm wearing it. And that's why I bought it. It's, and I like the fact that it seems like now people are willing to, to be like, yeah, I don't listen to death metal all fucking day, every day. Like I listen to other shit and we can appreciate other, our other forms or whatever. And it's fine. And it seems like that's what's kind of needed right now. I, I kind of like the fact that it seems like we're kind of getting out of our own way and it's not gatekeeping as much. Yeah. Um, 
I think your your personality, you just have to show what it is too. I I love scary bands coming from the, the world of black metal. I love Behemoth and what they do to their live show. Can you can't really imagine Nurgle making a whole bunch of jokes and pissing in a bin on the side of stage like at a festival. It it would maybe destroy the illusion and 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 all of that. I'm not saying that he's not a funny guy in his private life, but when you go to see a Behemoth show, you know what you're there for. Yeah. And and maybe that has to do with their personality. But our personalities aren't aligned with that. So trying to introduce an element of scariness to the live show is a little bit contrived. And we, we prefer to let the music do the talking in that respect. And the other important thing I think to realise is when we're putting on a show, we're not just playing the music. Like, if that was the case, then everyone buy a ticket, come down, I'll put the CD on and we'll have a beer and we'll just sit there and listen to it. But, like, we're creating an experience. We're trying to create a memory for someone and we're also trying to sell them not the music. I mean, they're at the show. We've sold them the music. Now we're, like, trying to convert and sell them on the dream. Like, this is fun. You're here to have fun. We're here to have fun and make sure that you have fun. And that's what it's about at that point in time. And if that happens to be that CJ is funny and we're all having a good time and Sean and I drank a few too many Jamesons during the show and we're going to make some weird noises and mistakes on our guitars. (laughs) That's funny, you know. But, again, if you're there to be, like, real serious and see a behemoth show and be, like, scared, that's another thing. It's like some people like horror, some people like comedy. The Artist Murder, we're very lucky that the music is serious, uh, but somehow we are not. And it works. I don't think it is a thing that every band could make work, you know? Like it's just the Australian way. We're all we're all laid back and, and pretty funny and, and that's how we, we do the shows. We're not we're not gonna try and be something that we're not. It's funny, I'll kind of say these things and I'll have you kind of wrap up the episode because I know you got to go. Um, it's funny because, A, uh, you know, I've been talking with Matt from King Parrot because they're about to – actually, I think they're over here right now, but they're going to do a headlining date uh, here <clears> in Michigan <throat> in a couple weeks. And so I was joking. I was like, you motherfucker, like, you're going to make me burn a day off just to come fucking see you on a Monday so I can take Tuesday off because, like, I got to drive a couple hours to go see you guys and all that. And he goes, Yeah. He goes, come fucking hang out. Like, it's a Monday. Who gives a shit? Fuck your boss. <laughs> yep. And it's funny because, like, I remember seeing that band and hearing them, and I was like, oh, this is this is interesting and different. But it's funny because, like, when you hang out with all of them, especially, like, Slats, and this is – and I'm speaking to, about them from, like, 10 years ago when they last toured the States, and they end up staying with me. And I know a handful of the guys now are sober, so, like, I'm sure everything will be kind of a little bit different. But it's a thing where it's like, oh, you guys are just fun, having a good time. Like, it's whatever – and I just, again, it kind of was one of the first times it made me realize like sometimes like this shit isn't as serious or deep as it needs to, like the music is, but everything else is not. Um, and yeah. kind of speaking to that in a different capacity, you know, going to a lot of different shows, going to hip hop, going to pop music, going to like all kinds of different shows. I had this epiphany like probably about a year or so ago where I went to go see some like metal show. And I was just like, oh, I fucking needed that. Like, I needed to let out this aggression. I kind of, like, it was a cathartic moment for me. And I go, I think this is why I've always really enjoyed this style of music because it it has more of a release than any other genre of music. Like, you go to a pop show and it's fun and you're having a good time. You might be dancing, you might be singing. It's more 
positive, quote unquote, but I don't really feel like I've, I've like something has happened that I've, I needed to get rid of something like that outlet. And it almost feels sort of like a gym where it's like, I'm sweaty. I fucking sang. I have no voice. Like, you know, my body hurts, but it was all worth it. Cause like I got whatever out I needed to that show that day. And to me, it's like, it's the thing that always will bring me back to it because I don't think I get that. I definitely know. I don't get that any other, any other outlet. And I think that's why the fandom from either you as the performer, you know, the creator of it, us as the fans, whatever. I think that's what keeps us coming back because we get something inherently out of it that we can't get anywhere else. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's why we keep making albums. <laughs> There's something that we get in that process. You know, I mean, we're the luckiest ones, like more so than the fans, like the enjoyment of making a record with your friends. You know, we're making something out of nothing. There's no music and then it goes into your brain and then you put it on a guitar and a drum kit and CJ screams and you go, oh, now there's music, like crazy. Is one of the most enjoyable things that you can do in your life. And then we get to make music videos and, you know, pretend to be little movie stars for a couple of days here and there. And then we get to go on tour and travel the world and, and share it with people. It's, you know, it's pretty awesome. And the the stress that it brings is like equally relieved from other areas of your life through the creative process and, and getting those ideas out. I mean, I haven't been to therapy, you have, and I, I imagine there's a lot of things that you carry with you until you let them out. And once they're out, they're gone for, for, you know, maybe for a while or maybe for good. We get to purge these dark ideas that we have and commit them to a record and then we don't have to think about them anymore and you carry yourself a little bit lighter, encounter a few more stresses in the coming years and then make another album about that, you know, and then you go on tour and you get to have that physical release in, in the performance and, and knowing that you made something that a lot of people want to share with you by coming to a concert or listening to your records. It's pretty pretty sick feeling. Well, I would uh, love to keep talking with you. There's a handful of other things I would I would love to discuss, but you got another one of these afterward. So uh, where can everyone find you or anything you would like to plug online? Hey, if you want to get the new album, Godlike, out September 15th, go to www.thiadismurder.net. The person that owns .com keeps trying to sell it to me for 25 grand, so I've been telling them to get fucked. Um <laughs> No one else is going to buy. What, what are you going to do? You're not loud as murder. But, yeah, go over there. Uh, you can buy merch, vinyl, pre-order it, and uh, catch some tour dates. Hopefully see everyone in the next uh, nine months. Yeah, I'm hoping for a, a U.S. date. I know – I feel like there. I saw one – or someone was hinting that there is probably one being announced soon-ish. I'm um, working on it. Yeah. But hopefully uh, when you guys come over here, you'll have a – I would assume it will probably be more of a Detroit date than anything since you'll probably hit A markets uh, instead of well, a B market I where I live. Not. Where do you live, Pontiac? No, I live in Grand Rapids, so I'm right between Chicago and Detroit. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So we are a B market sandwich right in between two A markets unless someone goes to Fort Wayne, Indiana and plays Pierre's, uh, which is equal distance from Detroit to me. But um, oh, all that said, hopefully you guys – you don't want to go back there? No, that place is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <We're going laughs> no. Fair enough. Give me um, the blue. 
Chicago or give me something in Detroit, but no, not Fort Wayne, please. Sorry well, hopefully, uh, no, you're good. Hopefully, uh, if you guys come around the States, we'll link up, have some Jameson, and, and maybe do uh, another one of these or something if you're game. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Enjoy the rest of your day. Looking forward to everyone hearing the record, and enjoy the rest of your night. Thank you. Take it easy. So that was my conversation with Andy. I want to thank him again for taking the time and chatting. Uh, again, the new record, Godlike, comes out September 15th uh, via Human Warfare. Uh, you can still pre-order the record. It's kind of why I wanted to get the rec- this episode out. Uh, so you still have time to pre-order it and support the band. Um, a lot of cool... V- Actually, I think the, the album artwork is really sick and makes for uh, would makes for really great vinyl like a a vinyl album cover but also obviously with the merch bundles uh the sweatshirts t-shirts and so forth uh just makes like a great looking album cover to wear uh sometimes it's it's interesting when thinking about merch of different kinds sometimes album covers do not work um but this is not one of them i think it looks fucking sick um something kind of as well i've been thinking about actually um sometimes in doing this show i kind of get these thoughts about how i'm like am i I having enough you know more aggressive music on the podcast you know with a name like brutally speaking i think that does kind of uh, evoke a certain level of guest that's on i think i've actually you know in the last couple of weeks uh you know we've kind of been dipping back into some of the more extreme metal realms uh, obviously, with having uh, Jacob from Chamber on uh, this episode, and in a couple of weeks, uh, you'll get to hear the episode I did with Scotty and Lewis of Carnifex. Uh, their new record rips, by the way. Um, you know, getting to have the guys in caskets on. Uh, so, you know, you'll hear that in a few more weeks. Um, but it's a thing where it's kind of funny. Like I've been thinking a lot about because I've actually, as I've been talking about on the show quite a bit, rediscovering and re being a fan of, of music. And so really spending the time and listening to some of the records as they're coming out, or I should say before they come out, uh, which is the perk of, you know, doing this show. And it's funny because sometimes I I go through these bouts where I'm like, uh, like some of these bands, some of the genres just get so formulaic and you're like, uh, this band just sounds like every other band that's out right now. And then sometimes like, you know, I'm reminded of, you know, a band pushing everything. Like, you know, Carnifex has been around for like, 20 years almost and to hear them still pushing the boundaries of what they do and still incorporating new ideas themes concepts and so forth like it's just it's interesting and it keeps me excited to hear it black dahlia like you know they're still going on it has me intrigued to see now the new growth and evolution of that band without trevor and how they're gonna keep going on which kind of reminded me of i see you know uh aaron Pauly from of mice and men you know, thinking about that band and how, you know, they were kind of known when they had Austin as the vocalist. And now, you know, Aaron has kind of become his own front man. It's a, it's a totally different band. So kind of thinking about just a lot of these bands, newer and older, that are kind of putting out interesting music, seeing someone like Knock Loose who's progressing the genre in interesting new ways. Uh, Code Orange doing what they're doing. And, you know, we're only, I think, two singles into their new record. But uh, it seems like they've kind of found what they've been trying to go after for the last little bit, mixing, you know, more of that 90s alternative sound with kind of more of even the 90s, like metal and industrial. Um, newer bands like, you know, Gideon and Chamber and uh, Thy Art is Murder. And like, there's so many great bands in the heavy spectrum right now that just have me excited and just dropped a new fucking, 
EP that's coming, or a full length, actually, I take that back, a full length that's coming out soon. And like just the state of heavy music is is exciting and it's fun. And it's uh, it's kind of got me feeling like I did being a kid where it's like, you know, or younger, I should say, not a kid, um, but just excited about the heavy thing and like, oh my God, did you hear this fucking riff? Did you hear this vocal? Did you hear this thing? Like, it's kind of fun just to, to be a fan again. And uh, heavy music sometimes is something that I I am bad at kind of feeling like it's formulaic and it, it's just all the same shit. But I'm here to kind of say now, while I'm sitting here today, uh, after listening to a lot of these records, um, there's a lot of great fucking heavy music out. And I feel like it's a, it's a very interesting time uh, to see what happens. I mean, fucking Billie Eilish was listening to It Dies Today. <laughs> Still not over that. That was that's kind of incredible um, to see, but I think it speaks to you know these viral moments that the this underground scene that we all love uh, eventually gets love and uh, adoration from so many different walks of life. Uh, you never really know who listens to this, but um, all that said, uh, I'm gonna start kind of wrapping up this episode because the intro was kind of long and all that. But uh, if you like Kibbo Thy Arter's Murder, uh, you can just simply go to thyartersmurder.net. That is the landing page for everything, tours, all of that. Uh, if you'd like to keep up with them on their socials, though, it's in the show notes below of whatever you're listening to this on. But Facebook is Thy Art is Murder. Instagram is Thy Art Instagram. And Twitter is Thy Art is Murder. If you'd like to keep up with Andy, you can follow him at Still Up So Cut. Uh, again, that's all in the show notes. And, uh, you know, just want to thank him again for taking the time. Go pick up the new record. Uh, it absolutely rips. And, uh, you know, obviously the band's success uh, of how this you know, album does, uh, obviously directly correlates to getting on better tours, you know, just and all that kind of stuff. I wish it wasn't really that thing. I, I mean, I'm hoping maybe that the landscape of the music industry doesn't just solely focus on first week numbers for impact of touring opportunities, but chances are that is still going to be a thing. Ironically, I was just reading an uh, a article about a person who was pretending, or I guess he wasn't pretending, worked for a, a booking agency management company and was just fucking scamming bands uh, out of money. Um, so it's still a reminder that the touring industry is kind of fucked in some capacities, and the industry, there are people in it who will still take advantage of you. So the more things change... They don't. <laughs> uh, if you'd like to keep up with uh, myself over here, uh, simple enough, Bruce Speakpot on all your major social media platforms. Uh, I'm not adding any of these new things. Uh, I think I, I'm still probably searchable on TikTok, but I deleted that fucking app like forever ago. Uh, I don't have threads. Uh, I'm not anything. Pretty much at this point, if something dies out and it's not Facebook, Instagram, or what was Twitter, uh, if everything keeps moving forward and becoming a new thing, I'm probably just not going to be on it. Um, you can take that however you want. You could say that's a stupid move on my part. I, I honestly just am getting so disinterested in social media. I just don't care. Um, all of that to say, if you would like to, uh, send me an email, you can send me an email for uh, guest suggestions, comments, whatever, uh, brutally speaking at gmail.com. If you would like to, uh, rate, review and subscribe. You know why that's important uh, for the algorithms and all that kind of stuff would be greatly appreciated. Uh, the only way this show grows is through word of mouth. Uh, I spend no money on advertising. I kind of pride myself on the fact that all the success the show gets is 100% DIY and organic. 
Um, and I also want to thank, at this point, my podcast sponsors uh, for not only just being rad businesses, but being rad people behind the scenes as well. So uh, head on over to Rockabilia, use our code BREW10 at checkout and take 10% off your total purchase order. Huge shout out to Frankie and the crew over at Rockabilia and Andy over at Starving Artist Brewery. Um, these are people individually and as, as businesses and so forth that are just major inspirations. Uh, I say it all the time about how I try to surround myself with people that inspire me and make me want to continue to do something and push the boundaries and, and grow and all of those kind of things and find success. And uh, those people are no different. Um, something I want to kind of do a little bit differently uh, here at the end before I, I sign off. Um, I want to kind of start giving props, gratitude. Uh, I've been seeing a lot of sober people that I follow, you know, like Jacoby Shaddix of Papa Roach. Um, Mark from uh, Lamb of God does it on Twitter every Sunday. Um, there's a lot of artists who post their gratitude lists. And I think it's important because I think uh, in light of how sometimes things can feel so negative and downtrodden, uh, it's good to have a reminder for yourself uh, of the good things uh, in your life uh, on a week to week basis or even a day to day basis, uh, whatever it needs to be for you. And I've been thinking a little bit more about it, and I think it would be great to do for the podcast, kind of give some people some shine as well. So uh, first of all, I want to, you know, extend a, a major debt of gratitude to uh, the Adam Splitter PR team, uh, Amy, Shane, Tim. Um, those are mainly the people I deal with uh, almost on a daily basis. Uh, they probably are accountable for 75 to 80% of the guests uh, that come on this show. Uh, they are an incredible team um, and people that I, I you know, like inter interact with almost daily. Uh, and, you know, someone like Amy is someone who I consider a friend outside of just the professional setting and um, great people. Um, so I want to shout them out. You can follow them on different socials as well. Um, also want to shout out some podcasts that I think, uh, you know, keep me on my toes and uh, kind of keep me inspired. I want to start off with uh, Daniel Terry and the DFT Dungeon Podcast. Season three just started. Uh, I will be back on that season soonish. Uh, the episode will post whenever that does. Uh, Daniel is someone I've known for a while, obviously, with him being on this show. And more importantly, uh, is an inspiration to kind of, uh, if you're not happy with something, to change. Not only your, not only for him professionally, but also personally. Um, and it's something that I think just showcases and shines through in, you know, the new show. And it's, it's hard not to identify with that show since it's about rediscovering music and kind of your why and how music is a parallel to teaching moments and core memories and so forth. And, uh, it's, it's a great show and I, I think more people need to have eyes and ears on it. Uh, I want to shout out, uh, Dewey and the peer pleasure podcast. Um, again, someone who just, you know, does the thing and kind of does it very akin to me where it's sort of a, a very wanting it to be a natural organic thing and uh, the belief in the medium and it's what it's capable of. Um, was listening to his episode today with uh, Richard Patrick from Filter and that was a wild fun chat and, you know, kind of getting to vicariously live <laughs> through some of these experiences he has uh, is rad. And lastly, I want to shout out Mark uh, Volelunga from uh, Nothing More. Uh, this past weekend, uh, he linked me and a mutual friend of his together because uh, they were here on in town for some business uh, on a festival that was happening here a couple minutes from my house. Uh, we ended up linking up Chad and I, uh, who works for To Write Love on Her Arms and tours with a few various bands. But we linked up uh, Sunday night, had some beers, got to know each other. Um, and I'm just kind of reminded of 
and grad and grateful uh, for Mark's friendship uh, between Chad and I, and then putting us together, thinking that we would be good to hit it off. Um, so to kind of finalize uh, my first uh, episode where I do kind of a gratitude list, I uh, just want to thank those people uh, for what they do and what they provide for me uh, and the motivation to, to continue to do this thing and uh, just thankful. So until next time, I am John, and next week's episode is with Blake from Saul, um, speaking kind of of the, the story I just told about Mark and, and Chad. Uh, it was a fun chat, and it's funny because I feel like Blake and I probably should know each other based on how many people we mutually know, like on a personal level. So it was pretty rad getting to uh, getting to know him and, and talking about uh, the new record of theirs and all that. But you'll get to hear more of that next week. I will talk to you then. Enjoy the rest of your week.